The Lord has blessed us so many here. There's been a lot of difficulty. And God has been so kind and so merciful to us. And we're so grateful for that, guys. Um, this is the last message on a series in revival. I want to speak today. And we'll go to the book of Nehemiah. And I called this message Revival and the Bible. And we're going to really focus in Nehemiah chapter 8. This message is focusing on a people who were taken away from their home. But they returned. And what they found was more than just a house. They found a home. They found their home. They found their family. And they found their way. And as we look in Nehemiah, uh, I pray God will help us to communicate that message. Uh, turn me to Nehemiah chapter 8. And we'll ask when you find that stand in God's honor. As I read aloud the first ten verses. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Pedadiah, Mishael, Melchizedek, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so the people could understand what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, Go, enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and spend some, send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. We're yours. And Father, as you spoke and gave a message to your people who had left home, came back. Pray, Father, that we might hear that message today. Lord, maybe some of us have wandered. 
And now it's time to be back. Time to understand that we're in your family. That we need, Lord, to receive your love. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that you might speak, God. Um, Father, I, I want you, Lord, to speak. I ask for your anointing. I ask for your, your spirit to be clear, God. Uh, Lord, I, I don't really care if they hear from me, but I do want them to hear from you. So, Lord, have your way. Open hearts, ears, and Father, uh, help me to not babble, but to speak clearly. Father, may your spirit, Lord, be lifted up. And may Jesus be exalted. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright guys, as I open up, um, give a little bit of history here. There was a Persian Empire. An empire who conquered lands, set on being in control of the whole world. And they came, they conquered Israel. They carried off many of God's people into captivity. Many left their homes. Many left the way of life that they cherished. And they were taken to this far off place and they were integrated into not only new houses, but new ideas, new culture, a new way of life. And then we come to the book of Nehemiah. Some time has passed. The land sits and many of the people that were meant to be there are gone and things have fallen apart. And We hear about Nehemiah. So in chapter 1, as the book opens up, it tells us the, the words of Nehemiah. It says, In the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, this is Nehemiah talking, Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. He wanted to know, what is it like back home? How is Jerusalem? How is the place that I cherish, that I was forced to leave? And here's the report he got, guys. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. He asked and the word that he received is, they're in trouble. The land, the once proud land, the once strong land is in disgrace. The walls, the protective area around the city has been burned down. And, and, and this seared in Nehemiah's heart. He, he was broken over the fact that his home was in such need. And here he was in this very important position. He was cupbearer to the king. And of course, sounds like kind of a rough job. You know, somebody's got to taste the wine. And uh, if somebody's poisoned it, guess who gets first shot at it? Nehemiah. But in God's graciousness, he obviously didn't catch any poison. But he did get the ear of the king. He was able to talk directly to the king. And so he had this important position. And his heart was broken. And, and he it, it says as you go down through here in the Scripture that he was so broken that he sat down and he wept in verse 4. And then it says he mourned and he fasted. And then we, we catch this big, long, beautiful prayer where he wants to go home. He wants to see restored Jerusalem in all of its glory. 
And he, he wants to once again remember those days where God was so strong in his life. <laughs> and in Jerusalem. And he feels God compelling him to head on. And so guys, as we read, uh, as we move on here through Nehemiah and these first seven chapters, we read about this incredible rebuilding project. God talks to the king and the king shows mercy. He sends Nehemiah and he, he sends others to go and they rebuild the city. You talk about a mission trip, guys. This was a great mission trip. They went and, and they rebuilt Jerusalem and, and they set things up for the return of the people. And it was a, it was a great time. It was a glorious time, but it was tough. They had, they had criticism. They had opposition. They had people who didn't want the city rebuilt. People who hated God's people, who hated the Jews. But God enabled them to finish the work. And it, it was just a, a, a great, great deal. And then you come to chapter 7, verse 1. Guys, as I was studying uh, this chapter, it's caught my attention. Um, it says, After the wall had been rebuilt... Okay, now, the wall was, it went around the city, protected the city from the enemies that came in. So this great wall was built, and it says that three groups were appointed. After the wall had been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers and the singers and the Levites were appointed. And that was critical, guys. It wasn't enough that they rebuilt the city. It wasn't enough that they rebuilt the houses. They wanted to rebuild a home. They wanted to rebuild a place to go to that was more than just a, a, a house to live in. They wanted a home where God was to be honored. They wanted a new start. When they went home, they wanted a place where God was going to be glorified, where He was going to be lifted up. And so these three groups are mentioned. First, there were the gatekeepers. The job of a gatekeeper was to monitor who went in the city, who came out of the city, to make sure that it was safe. Wanted to make sure that those who entered and left the city were not causing turmoil and destroying the place that God wanted to exalt Him. These these were gatekeepers. Many times they were soldiers, but they were people who had a keen eye on what was going on. And and guys, you know, I was thinking about our nation. Where are the gatekeepers? Where are the people that look and say, you know, that's destroying our land. That's rotting the minds of people in America. That is destroying God's ideals of authority and, and, and people that are to be respected and loved. And, and we see all kinds of, of just uh, rebellion and, and how our country seems to be falling apart, deteriorating around us because the gatekeepers seem to be absent. There are no gatekeepers. Well, they were so smart and wise. Once they rebuilt the wall, they said, we want to have a gatekeeper. We want to see what's coming in and what's going out. And we want to keep a tab on our land because it matters to us. We want this place, this place where we live, to exalt God. We care. And then there were the singers that were chosen. Music was a vital part, always has been. Music says so much about who we are cared about the music. They wanted music to be appointed, singers to be appointed, who lifted God up with their songs. That was vital. And then the third group, it says, were the Levites. The Levites, guys, were the priests. They were the ones who were assigned to keep people close to God, to remind them of God and His commands and His love. 
And so these three groups were vital. It was important that the houses were rebuilt, but it was also important that a home was rebuilt. Where there were gatekeepers, where there were people who kept reminding others about God, that He's there, and, and music that was glorifying to God. And, and all this was critical. And, and you know, as this was set aside, it was a place, I mean, people began thinking about God. And revival began to stir among God's people. And that's what we see in chapter 8. It's fine to bring us to chapter 8. And, and we see the importance of the Scriptures. And as we look at this, I want to just talk about five clues that are in these ten verses uh, that I want to share briefly in our time that remains. Clue number one. <laughs> I love this in chapter 8. Uh, the people asked the preacher to bring the book. Look at the first verse here. It says, when the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. You know, I'm afraid in a lot of places where people are having church, There's a lot being said, but not much about God and His Word. It scares me as I hear some of these stories. And I I think about the lady that was talking about, you know, we've been, we're looking for a preacher, we've been having visits, and preachers come in and said, you did a much better job than the guy last week. He spoke for an hour and said nothing. He said, you were able to do it in 15 minutes. Guys, we want a lot more than that. What we want, though, is not opinions, What we want is not advice. What we want is to hear what God has to say. What we want is to hear from His mind, His heart, His Word. And the people said, Preacher, bring the book. Man, I love it. Talk about firing up a preacher. How could it not? Preacher, bring the book. Now, you know, I don't think I've ever heard that as a request. We preachers are supposed to bring the book. And, you know, I mean... If you don't speak from the book, what is there to say? But I don't remember anybody ever calling up and say, Todd, I want you to come and bring the book. There was a clear sign that God was about to do something among the people because they cared about the book. It just seems like we live in an age where the book takes a second place. Not with these guys. Clue number two. The people not only wanted them to bring the book, they listened attentively to the book. Look at verses, verse 3. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Man, are you kidding me? From daybreak till noon, they stood and they were hungry to hear the Scripture. Wow, what a scene that was. Man, they didn't want just houses. They wanted a home where God was present where God was worshipped, and they wanted to hear from God. And man, they were there for hours listening to what God had to say. You, see, you know, and I think of that, and I think how often, you know, we're ready to go, man. We come to church, and many times we're thinking, well, let's see, what are we going to eat when we get out of here? Or, or uh, you know, what am I going to do this afternoon? Or, or just something else in our mind instead of thinking about, God, what do you want to say to me? 
God, help me to listen. God, speak to me. Um, I read across this thing talking about the lighter church. It says, has the heaviness of you... Your old-fashioned church got you weighted down? Try us. We are the new and improved light church of the valley. Studies have shown we have 24% fewer commitments than other churches. We guarantee to trim off guilt because we're low-cal, low-calvin, that is. <laughs> we're the home of the 7.5% tithe. We've promised 35-minute worship services with 7-minute sermons. Next Sunday's exciting text is the story of the feeding of the 500. We have only six commandments. Your choice. We use just three Gospels in our contemporary New Testament, good sound bites for modern human beings. We take the offering every other week. All major credit cards accepted, of course. We're looking forward with great anticipation to our 800-year millennium. Yes, the new and improved Light Church of the Valley could be what you're looking for. We are everything you want in a church and less. Well, they didn't want less. They wanted to hear from God. And they stood there for hours attentively listening, guys. Clue number three, the people treated God and His words with reverence. Look at verses five and six. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see Him because He was standing above them. And as He opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Ezra opened the book. And you know what I love about Ezra? He did not come wanting attention. He didn't stand up there and say, Look at me! I'm the chosen guy! It says that he drew attention immediately to God. It says that he praised the Lord. And the people responded in unison. Because they understood the Lord was the one to be praised. And they were reverent. You know, we stand uh, in honor of the Scriptures because we're in honor of God is what we're doing. We're saying, God, You are worthy of our respect. You are worthy, God. And we want to stand and we just in some way, we want to show You, Lord, that we believe that You are the one to be honored, to be lifted up, to be exalted. And so we want to stand for You, Lord. And it says they lifted their hands and they shouted and and it was all for respect of God. You know, I I noticed, as you look at this text, guys, the people were not looking side to side or they were not even looking front to back. They were looking up. They were not looking for cues from other people on how to respond, but they were looking to God and just following their heart as they praised God, giving attention to Him. Clue number four. Spirit-filled preaching made clear the truth of God to the people. Of course, verse seven. What a litany of names. I don't want to murder again. Matter of fact, uh, here in this section, I actually wrote down the pronunciation of it, which I'm sure I didn't get right the first time I stumbled through. Uh, th- this should be right because I actually, in my, I've got a Bible dictionary that tells you how to pronounce stuff. So maybe uh, reading these. It says, the Levites, Jesh, Ua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabathai, Hadia, Mahasiya, Kalita, Azariah, Zazabad, Hanan, and Peleah. Yay. 
instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Fourth sign that revival was breaking out, guys, was there was spirit-filled preaching accompanying the reading of the Word. God was speaking through these people. These were people that spent their time in the Scriptures. Uh, scribes wrote down the Scripture. They studied the Scripture. And they could have deep thoughts and debates. But that wasn't what was happening. It wasn't deep thoughts and debates. They were communicating clearly the truth of God. Expounding upon it and sharing it. You know, some people think, well, if you're smart, you'll share something just really deep. But the smartest people are not the deep people. It's the ones that actually say it where you can get it. I remember when I was in college, we had this philosophy professor. And no kidding, guys. No, I couldn't understand what he was talking about. He was so deep that my little mind, you know, man, the gears were moving so hard, smoke was flying. I was afraid it might just shut down completely trying to figure him out. And the only way uh, he was able to teach was, we, I tell you, we had open book tests. He would list a page on the board where the answer was. No lie, that's how, you know. Well, I had this one friend in there. You know, he's, I, I kid him, he's got more degrees than a thermometer. I think now he's got uh, two or three doctor degrees and a couple of master's degrees. <sighs> this guy. But anyway, he was the only one that seemed to understand what the guy was saying. And I'd look over at him. What's he saying, you know? Well, one time, this professor was talking, my friend fell on the floor laughing. Well, I turned to the guys, my other friends, I said, what did he say? What happened? Nobody knew. And then my friend said, uh, excuse me, sir, but that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I thought, what did he say? That's not smart. I'll tell you what smart is. Smart is when you can take what is difficult and make it where I understand it. Whereas uh, they said in the hills where I'm from, says, let's put the cookies on the bottom shelf so the kids can get them. Well, that's what was happening. Man, as the Bible was being shared at that Bible of that time, the Scriptures, and, and they were explaining, there was an understanding falling upon the people, guys. And so God was working in hearts. And then clue number five, last one here as I come to the end of this. I love this. Clue number five, God's grace is personalized. Look at verse 9. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Now, first thing here, this is great stuff here. When you got the major politician and the preachers, men all together saying, Go God, go God. They're all pumped to get, I love that, man. And they, and, and, and they look out there, this is great. It just got my attention. They looked out there and they said, guys, y'all are crying, but this isn't the time to cry. You see, this set of circumstances here is not focusing on sin. There's not a rebuke here saying, you guys are sinners. You guys need to get it together. You guys need to turn your hearts to God. That's not what this passage is about. This passage is saying, you guys have been away from home. Now you're back home and God loves you. So guys, let's celebrate. (laughs) You belong to God. 
Man, I love this. I mean, look at, look at the next verse here. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's exciting stuff. He said, okay, guys, take a breath. Just remember, God loves you. God cares for you. He's not your enemy. He's not mad at you. He's on your side. Matter of fact, I want to read here a little bitch. I mean, you know, he's saying, guys, you all are kinfolk in the kingdom of God. That's what's happening here. A little Tri-Cities translation, although this is definitely a Tri-Cities paraphrase. I wrote out here, because I don't consider my... You know, I'm not saying I translate the Bible. It'd be a mess, probably. Leave that to people. The Lord is gifted in language. The... Here we go. Here, here's my Tri-City paraphrase. Uh, go home. Go home, people, and fire up a grill. Get busy cooking a side of beef or a rack of ribs. Let the barbecue chicken cook it to the glory of God. While you're at it, make some sweet tea and purchase a few sodas. We're going to have a party. Because we have something to celebrate. Now, listen, guys. You and I have something to celebrate. God loves you. He loves you more than you can possibly imagine. And listen, I'm all about repentance. I'm all about we need to get our hearts right with God. I'm all about we need to turn away from sin. But let's not for a moment forget that He paid the price, that we are His kids, and we need to rejoice in the fact that we're part of His family if we've trusted Jesus Christ, and we need to celebrate. We need to have a party. We need to enjoy His blessing. This is about blessing. It's not about brokenness. It's about blessing. And He says, guys, remember, you are blessed. You are a kingdom kid. Celebrate it. Let other people know it. Max Lucado writes, The purpose of the Bible, salvation. God's highest passion is to get His children home. His book, the Bible, describes His plan of salvation. The purpose of the Bible is to proclaim God's plan and passion to save His children. Are you saved? Celebrate it. Are you His? Live it. Let other people see it. Guys, take a breath. Have a party. Enjoy who you are, what He's given you. Guys, let Him work in your life. People need to see it. He he loves us. He paid the price so we don't have to keep acting like we're hopelessly in debt. It's paid in full. doesn't mean that we shouldn't be grateful. We should be grateful, but we should stop trying to earn it and simply thank Him for it. We need to let that sink in. And when we do, He starts working on revival. We let it sink in. Maybe there is one here who hadn't come. Man, Come, He wants to celebrate with you. He wants you to come home. He wants you to be part of His family. He wants you to receive His gift of salvation. Today's the day to come. Come now, pray. Say, God, forgive me. I'm a sinner. But if you're His kid, don't sit there and sulk. Celebrate. Let it be known that He loves you. We have an altar here to come and to pray. Maybe God's spoken to your heart. Maybe He said to you, man, it's time to just stop living in the past and sulking. It's time to celebrate. Time to, to... Just let God, just let Him love me. Maybe you need to come and you need to pray. Maybe you need to say something, not just to me, but to concrete it before God and we pray together. Maybe you just need to share with God's people. 
This is what God's doing in my life. Man, I just want God to be free. To do what He wants to do so that we can celebrate. I want to celebrate too. So let's celebrate. Let's pray. Lord, uh,